but the intuition is really the bridge to the remembering of the truth of ourselves because it is the way and the hope that we are shifting to a more spiritual orientation toward our life is allowing ourselves to exceed you know wonder as this opening as this invitation to wander into what we do not know with the hopes that we'll discover something about ourselves that we didn't know in the minute before you are now listening to the soul and wonder podcast episode 78 exploring the landscape of your soul with austin wells welcome to the soul and wonder podcast where the conduits of the body depths of the mind and atlas of the soul are explored with devotion Through cultural exchange, Christopher and Sarah and their guests will deliver sacred wisdom from around the globe, uncovering the hidden gems of conscious living and holistic healing, all to empower you on your journey of self-discovery. And now, here are your hosts, Christopher and Sarah. What's up, everybody? Christopher and Sarah here to welcome you to another episode of the Soul and Wonder podcast. Every other week, we bring you new interviews with some amazing people, thought leaders, authors, everybody that's up to just some really cool stuff to help support you in your personal growth and spiritual evolution. And whether you're joining us for the first time or you are a longtime listener, we're just excited that you've decided to join us once again for another transformational episode. Episode. And today we do have Austin Wells, a spiritual medium, author, lecturer, and teacher. And let me tell you, we go into the depths about her new book, Soul Conversations. A medium reveals how to cultivate your intuition, heal your heart, and connect with the divine. So you don't want to miss this one because she's going to offer a lot of tools to help you explore that landscape of your soul. But before we get into the interview, we just want to remind you really quickly to make sure that you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And of course, if you love what you hear, please leave a review. It really helps us out, helps to spread this information, and share with your friends and family on social media. We're all on Facebook at Soul and Wonder and Instagram at Soul in Wonder Love. For over 20 years, author and spiritual medium Austin Wells has been empowering individuals to create soul-centered lives. Not only did she write the book Soul Conversations, but she developed the Divine Spark Cards, which assist both developing mediums as well as grief counselors to inspire healing conversations with their clients. Her cards help anyone who wishes to be more intuitive. She is featured in Matt McKay's book Seeking Jordan and in the Amazon book Trust Within, The Heart of Intuition by Molly Carroll. We really went down the rabbit hole with Austin. She is someone that I think we could have spoken with for five hours, but I don't know if you guys want a five-hour podcast episode. And hey, if you do, let us know. We'll bring that to you gladly because she has just such an eloquent way of explaining such vast topics. And in this episode, she's going to share her very interesting story of how she became a medium. And let me tell you, it's not what you would think. We were <laughs> we were very surprised when she shared with us her journey. 
She's also going to talk all about intuition, you know, how to trust our own intuitive abilities and gifts. And we're going to explore some reasons why we as a collective doubt these intuitive abilities and why we perhaps have strayed so far away from trusting these gifts. We also go into all the topics that she covers in her book, Soul Conversations, such as our eternal souls, communication with spirit and the universe, and soul-centered living and how to hold space for ourselves and our lifestyle to reawaken to our potential. We also get into a lot about fear because this is a common thing that I know comes up for people regarding communicating with the universe or spirit, whatever you'd like to call it. So she's going to share some tips on how to move through that fear and some theories on what the darkness really actually is and it gets interesting. So enjoy this episode and we will talk to you at the end. All right, everybody. Super excited. We've got Austin with us. We've been chatting for the last few minutes. Really excited to have you on the show. Welcome to the Soul and Wonder podcast. Thank you both so much. I'm so excited about being a guest on your really cool podcast. We love your support. (laughs) We do. And just having the conversations that we've had over the past few weeks leading up to this interview, we've had to reschedule a few times. It's been so nice to, I feel like I told Sarah, you know, it just, I feel like we've known each other for a very, very long time. And speaking with you as we did on the phone a few weeks ago and then just before this show, it just seems just so right. It seems... Well, it's funny because I had to pull the pregnancy card last time. And I believe we uh, rescheduled it the first time because we were moving. Yeah. Um, And so when I pulled the pregnancy card and I was nervous because... Chris told me he was going to speak with you on the phone and I was nervous that you were going to be frustrated with us or because you know I'm I don't know you personally and I'm, I was like was she upset because it was we canceled the very day like just hours before and he and that's when he told me he's like no she was, had such a pleasant energy very understanding I feel like we've known her for so long and I was like oh it put so much weight off my shoulders well fellow Gemini I understand shifts and changes very much <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you I also think, do work in the spirit realm, so that helps well, too. <laughs> yeah, so personally, I understand it because I'm very much of that gal, but then most definitely being connected with just this idea that things are absolutely happening for us all the time. Mm. Then when there's shifts and changes, instead of having that resistance and that frustration, I think you can do yourself such a favor by just having an inner thank you and a piece of gratitude and going, Oh, cool. I guess I'm supposed to be doing something else, you know, instead Mm. of the frustration that comes with holding on to the certainty of something, because I think practicing that kind of flexibility can teach you so much about (laughs) so many things in life. Oh, man, spoken like a true Gemini. (laughs) What a great lesson right off the bat. We start the interview and we're already into it. I love it. You know, Austin, usually we like to start off with people's, you know, story, like how it unfolded, how you became a medium, etc. But I'm actually going to switch this up for a minute because I was when we were speaking before we started recording, I started to acknowledge your work and I 
paused in the middle of it because I was like, you know what, let me wait until we're recording because I wanted to capture the authenticity of me celebrating your work, um, your new book, Soul Conversations, A Medium Reveals How to Cultivate Your Intuition, Heal Your Heart, and Connect with the Divine. So I admitted to Austin that I hadn't read the whole book. I've skimmed through and um, found a lot of beautiful key points. But one thing that I really wanted to call out was how your work is helping the collective to sort of shift away from that savior complex that we uh, have kind of fallen into. You know, you're really helping people to find their own inner power and say like, hey, we're all special. We're all unique. We all have intuitive abilities. And here's how you can connect with the divine instead of only depending on someone else to deliver these messages or um, decipher these messages. Not that I don't think mediumship and all of that is really important throughout our lives because I think co-creating is important and being in that space with multiple people helps us to progress. But I just really wanted to honor that and how you're helping others reclaim that power. Thank you. What a lovely thing to grab from the book. Um, I, I think it comes from so many years of working with people. And there comes a point within your career where you realize when somebody is projecting upon you, because when you're very new in your practice, you can feel that you're just doing something wrong because the person that you're making yourself available to is frustrated. And that nuance, that wisdom that comes from doing the work for a while was such an education to me because it made me realize there are absolutely people who are expecting an external source to solve the issue. Mm-hmm. And there's, we can't support that idea within um, practices, or rather, let me say, it doesn't help us to support that idea in our practices because we need to help everybody know that this isn't something beyond them. It's within them. Mm -hmm. And so the search for the exterior truth certainly can, can help you. But when you're talking about the evolution of the soul, this is an inner journey and it can Mm. be electrified and illuminated by people who turn on lights or show pathways within. But honestly, the depth of the work really comes from, working with your own soul and realizing your humanity and having a level of humility that allows you to grow no matter what the experience is and no matter how intense the growth is or how intense the learning is. Mm-hmm. Mm. I like every word you just said. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And, and so, in that, yeah, and in that way, we really empower each other because we it, it isn't so much just the practitioner because that's why the word healer, I like it. It's so empowering. But really what that says is I'm coming to you to do my work mm-hmm. or I'm expecting you to elevate this situation that I'm flummoxed by. I think where we might want to reconsider the word healer is look at it that what we're doing is, you know, our soul has two different components. We have our finite self or our human being, and then 
we have our infinite self, which is our spiritual being. So when a person is stuck, it's certainly not an energetic problem because that's on the spiritual side of our soul because our soul is always in motion and always connected to the spirit world and to the universe. So that's an energetic constant exchange. But the issue when we're stuck is within the finite self or human being because we'll get stuck in time. So we go to a quote unquote healer or a practitioner because we do not have access at that moment to that spiritual aspect of ourselves. So our job as a practitioner is to hold that place of spirituality long enough that the person that we're with can bring their vibration back in alignment with that aspect within themselves. And when that happens, then there's something that really transpires, which could be perceived as a healing, but really it's not the practitioner. It's Mm -hmm. the shift and change within the individual. It's almost like the proper title is like, a healing co-facilitator. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, or something of yeah, that sort. As a spiritual and a spiritual guide really does work because mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that we're you know floating somewhere in the room with large wings or something. It just <laughs> means that we're holding a place of remembering what that person may have forgotten about themselves. Mm-hmm. And by being open to however the individual works as a channel, because I think no matter what you do, energy work mediumship, uh, shamanism, anything, you're, you're allowing an, that intelligence, which is greater than us, to distill within us so we can be of service to the person that we're with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and really, you touched on a, a super, just a key point there in helping people remember what they've forgotten, what they've lost along the way through this 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 interesting earth school that we've attended of forgetting all of our intuitive abilities, our powerful light that we've incarnated, you know, into this earth with, but have lost through the conditioning and the programming. And so, you know, what you're saying is these healers or these shamans, these spiritual guides are helping us to remember who we truly are. And once we awaken to that, that is when those, I guess, for lack of better terms, miracles may happen. Well, you know, it's the same thing with coaching and why we love that so much, because we always say a true coach guides you to your own perfect wisdom without thinking they've got your answers figured out. They hold space. And it's it's amazing how it can manifest in so many different titles and modalities. That was so beautiful. Both of you, what you just said was so stunning. And when both of you were speaking, I just thought of literally thought of something. I think, you know, we were, we're talking about this idea about people forgetting. I think it's necessary for us to forget. I think that's Mm. part of the human experience is to come from this unconditionally loving source where we are abundantly fed and nurtured and supported and connected to come to a, an illusion that we are separate from each other. So the path of love in our life helps us remember, whereas the path of fear helps us forget. Mm-hmm. And well, I, th- I think she just answered our next question. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were about to ask you why you think we've strayed so far from mm-hmm. the belief in and trust of our own intuitive abilities and gifts. And I think you just answered that perfectly. Well, and I, and I think we need to, like we just said, we need to forget because that's the human experience. We need to be, I I really feel we're so front loaded 
uh, in the beginning of our lives. And that can be certainly up until about 10 years old, possibly 12 years old. And then there are people, Sarah, you are so bold in stating your story um, and, and what some of your soul's learning has led you through. Um, and it, whether it transpires your entire life or intensified times, I believe that's really what we come here to gain a consciousness of is to understand and have an awareness that those very circumstances, which seem debilitating and make us feel less than if looked at held and reframed in the right way can actually become the most beautiful empowerment and graceful aspects that our soul then learns from, and then eventually turns into service pieces. Because if we can transcend those adversities, then we can hold that space for people that are still dealing with and processing what's going on with them to realize that by mirroring that there is hope that they can let the circumstances just be and transcend it and see what the gifts have become from the circumstance. Mm. Well said. And, you know, what fun would this earth school and this game be if we didn't forget, you know, what fun would it be to, I mean, of course we all want to feel unconditional love, inner peace and confidence and all of these things. But, you know, the journey and the path is really, you know, I know it can be super tough at times, especially when challenges and traumas arise and all of that. But, how wonderful it is to feel so alive when you do wake up to that truth. And sometimes those truths only come in a split second and you forget them again. You know, it's a process of remembering, mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that I, I think all of us can speak to every day that we wake up and it's not all sunshine and rainbows all the time, but it's so much fun to wake up and say, okay, what is, what is today going to bring? Where is this journey headed and where are we headed into the unknown? And that's, that's exciting. Being that's grateful for, like you were saying, those, those challenges, you know, just as much as we're grateful for the joy. It's so true. It was something the shamans taught me for sure, because they, everything that they experience is with gratitude. And mm. so for instance, when they are trekking up mountains and perhaps there's someone within their group that is falling behind, they don't sit there going, Oh my God, you know, they don't bellyache about <laughs> it. What they do is they'll stop and they'll pray. They'll pray and mm. be grateful for the strength of the group. They'll be thankful for the community to support each other. And so it's not as if they're etch-a-sketching what the issue is, mm. but they're just, instead of aligning with the difficulty they're choosing to just celebrate the experience as everything. And, and Chris, when you said fun, you know, it's so funny when people, you say, oh yeah, working through your adversities is fun. People are like, <laughs> what? So, but it's true because when you start witnessing, um, and Sarah, you'd talked about co-creation before, you know, when you really step into this idea that you, your life is not out of your control at all, you are absolutely participating in what transpires. So when you realize you're in the driver's seat of your life, it's such a different life mm -hmm. because then you, you have to be accountable for the misery within your life and look at yourself and say, why am I settling for that? What am I afraid of by stepping into it? And I think once you kind of get high on this spiritual journey and realize how fun personal evolution is, I think 
those situations, although frustrating as I'll get out, you actually have an enthusiasm about them because you think, okay, so I'm challenged now. How do I get out of this one? How do I figure this one out? Mm -hmm. I love that you said you have to be accountable for the misery in your life because once you can achieve that accountability for the misery in your life, then you're truly able to celebrate your successes and your joys by saying, wow, I created this instead Mm -hmm. of just going off thinking, oh, I've got lucky or I'm being blessed by something. It's like, well, just as much as you're accountable for your misery, you're also accountable for your joy. And how amazing to be able to see that on its full spectrum. I so beautifully said, Sarah, so beautifully said we're being, I think there's a lot that's going on in the world right now. There's a, there was a psychological, um, paradigm that was introduced in 1972. I think it is, um, that was called the drama triangle. And I somewhat referred to it in the book in the soul centered relationships chapter. And the, 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 when we get adversity or when we experience adversity within our relationships, it's because we're playing a role that diminishes ourselves. We're either mm-hmm. trying to diminish ourselves or overpower the other. So more or less we're out of balance with our partner at the time. So we either go to victim, we go to perpetrator, persecutor, or we go to rescuer. And every single one of those roles has an imbalance in it because it's it's come the energy of our initiation when we step into any of those roles is it comes from a belief within ourselves that we're in deficit we're not enough we can't or no one loves us and from those thought patterns which is always you know initiated at different moments in our upbringing and then oftentimes throughout our relationships there is so much of that right now in our culture Uh, people being bullied, people being victimized Mm -hmm. and people trying to rescue, which means they're fixing without, they're trying to fix sometimes without permission, which will really kind of piss people off. So (laughs) there's so much um, to me that's wonderful about bullies showing up. There's things that are wonderful about people thinking that they can't and people thinking that they're not enough because within every single one of those statements is a huge spiritual Oh yeah, let's rethink this one. And in that way, it's it's it has to kind of the pocket needs to get stirred sometimes in order for them to there to be amazing change. So I appreciate it as a gift. And I know it's kind of like, are you smoking something? But um, <laughs> just because, just because it's it's it just means that there's transformation afoot. Mm. I love that model you just shared that yeah. puts it into such clear sight. And and baby agrees he's moving a lot. He's so he, a lot. He, he agrees with all of those statements <laughs> that you just made. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's like you've got this inner this inner um, audience going, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. He, what he's celebrating doing. right now. He's loving it. I like that idea very much. <laughs> she just sounded like our friend Tina. Oh my does gosh, voice. she's an actress. She does voices, and you sounded almost like uh, Chucky from Rugrats. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad it's Chucky from Rugrats and something positive. <laughs> I want to kind of dial things back a second. And, you know, I know we didn't start with your story like we initially do with a lot of our guests on the show. But, you know, I'm curious, when and how did your life's purpose as a medium start to unfold? Hmm. 
It's a great question, Chris, because it's not how this all began, really. That's a different question. It would be an absolutely different story. Um, I was working for Toyota as the voice of an intuitive car. And oh. I know, isn't that fun? Um, wow. So they had a car, they had like a carnival booth and they had a car that was the psychic car and people would get in it and my voice would come out through the car. And so it was as if the car had a personality, but there were cameras in the grills. So, uh, you know, the vents rather. So I could see people in the car, but they couldn't see me. And then there were mics so I could hear what they were saying. And then they would pick, I know it was to to me, it was like one of the most fun jobs I ever had. And it sounds like a blast. Wasn't it? Yeah. So Toyota had um, the Matrix, which had, no, it was the Yaris. The Yaris had, I think, like 15 glove boxes for some reason in the car. So we put tarot decks in all of them and people would pick a card and based on the card, I'd jump into a reading. So I was traveling around the country working probably 10 hours a day reading, believe it or not, about 160 people a day, which is pretty insane. I know. And you guys would totally understand. You're like, whoa. But it gave me this great pacing because I just, it was kind of like a spiritualist cabinet because there was just the monitors, my headphones and me in this little teeny closet. Um, So I was totally in the dark except for the monitors. So I could, I, it was at that moment that um, I'd had spirit impressions for sure before and certainly in childhood, but I really started feeling the spirit world around me clairsentiently or my soul feeling could feel them. But whenever the hangman card would come up in the tarot deck, that was, and it wasn't the death card. It was the hangman card. Uh, That was the signal from the spirit world that there was a loved one in spirit that the person wanted to talk to. And I had always perceived the spirit world, but it hadn't been my singular focus. But that initiation into that many hours in that space, that's when the spirit world said, okay, Austin, you're in school now. Let's, let's figure this thing out. And it was just magical. It was the coolest experience. How progressive and alternative of Toyota. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I would not, like, I, there's no way I could have guessed what you were about to say. Yeah, that really (laughs) threw me, threw me off for sure. (laughs) Yeah, no, and it was, I don't even think they expected it because when I went into interview for the job, they just were looking for someone that could just say, you know, little psychic tips. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, you don't understand. So I said, I brought in my tarot deck and I took each one of the tarot cards and I ascribed a value of the Yaris to it. And I said, so not only can I do a reading, I can cross market your car. Wow. And so once they started listening, they were like, okay, we're interested. And I was like, far out. Cause it was like the coolest job anyone had said to me. Plus I got to travel around the country, um, to all sorts of really crazy places. And I got to be in New Orleans right after Katrina, which was a real wow. trip, um, for NBA jam. And, um, I worked with Toyota for a couple of years in that capacity, but it was, it was the best because, you know, as a medium, you can train for sure, but you have to practice. You have to work in, in school with the spirit world and learn how you're going to be perceiving information and how they wish you to work because every medium is different in how they perceive things. So I just, I, I agree. I think Toyota is like so smart. I feel like you just, 
I feel like that was a message directly for me. <laughs> you talking about how, you know, you have to spend time with spirit to, you know, correctly learn how to decipher these messages. Cause I feel like I'm always going in and out, in and out of, of offering any sort of intuitive um, support for people who are seeking that. And a, I, I get to a point where I just like, for some reason, pull out and I fall out of quote unquote practice in the sense that my, my gate starts to slowly close and then I have to like deliberately yeah. reopen it. And, you know, so for you, which right now I'm at a point where my gate is slowly <laughs> closed and I'm feeling this calling that's like, hey, what are you doing? And so I feel like that was a message directly for me. So thank you for that and for other listeners listening to this. But I'm, you know, so you've been in and out, um, you know, like strengthening your abilities and gifts. How did that unfold after the Toyota position when you decided to take things even deeper? Well, I had been working as an intuitive since my early 20s uh, with, I was doing parties all over Los Angeles. So um, everything, and they would always put me right next to the band, which was just awesome. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, so it, it, and I've looked back at all these things and said, oh, now I get it. Because what they were doing was really teaching me to focus, to really mm -hmm. hone in on not because uh, when you, when you, when a person is doing readings, and this speaks to people that are doing it professionally and people that are just starting, um, the main worry is, am I doing this right? And is this okay? Mm -hmm. And it, I, I have to say, no matter how professional you get, uh, when you're standing in front of 200 people and you are the medium giving the messages, I promise you, I don't know how many mediums really can walk on stage and go, yeah, I'm so cool. I'm sure this is going to go great. I always want to have a level of God, I hope this goes well, because mm -hmm. in that I know that I'm still listening and I'm realizing that I am only as good as my ability to be open and surrender so, mm -hmm. and Sarah, can I say something to what you just said about yourself? Mm -hmm. Okay. First of all, I want to say you're already, you've had nine months of extraordinary training because <laughs> you've learned how to listen to your body in a way that I don't think you've realized that you are. Mm -hmm. And that little soul inside of you, you're communicating with on a regular basis. And if you don't think that that's going to improve your ability to listen to invisible ones, I kind of beg to differ on that. I think <laughs> you may feel like you're offline because it feels that you are being kind of distracted by all that's going on. But I promise you, I've had more of my friends who stepped out of the work for a little bit to have a child and they come back with a much greater empathy and compassion and love than they ever could have had, had they not had a child. Mm -hmm. So I just want to give that to you. And the other thing is there's just that trepidation of, I hope this is okay. And honestly, if that's the reason why the gate has, to you feels like it opens and closes, since you're such a visual person, which it seems to be, because when you speak, I'm actually seeing the things you're seeing. So you, am I correct that you're very visual? Yes. Okay. So what I would do is visualize that gate and just put some support people there that help the gate stay open when you want to close it. I just got chills. Right? There's <laughs> yes. your affirmation. So, There's it's, the affirmation. so it's about taking those ideas that you have and saying, okay, well, the gate opens and closes. So why don't I make it more concrete? Like it's a cement um, portal. 
or it's a wormhole or it's mm. something, you know, where, and then reconstruct it, put your team around it, and then just say, when this moment happens, help me realize that I'm held. Um, I'm teaching a, a class right now called Soul Soaring Online, which is like a guide class. And when I was doing the meditation for everybody the first week, and we were kind of meeting some basic team members, the spirit world did the most cool thing was they started by having, once we got to this landing place, all of the guides um, be in a circle just outside of our energy field. <clears throat> but then they had them spin around really, really fast, like they were doing like, you know, just like speed circles. So everybody could get this sensation of a spin around them. And then they said, now you'll know when we're present. So what they gave everybody was an ability to know when their guides were present, which I thought was brilliant. Wow. Right. Wow. That's incredible. That's super cool. And I really, really appreciate too your um, tips there about my own personal experience, because I know we have listeners who can relate um, because people will message me sometimes be like, hey, like, how do I keep this open? You know, it just comes and goes. I'm like, hey, I'm trying to figure it all out, too. And that's what's great about your book, too, Soul Conversations, because it's about cultivating that intuition. And, you know, part one of your book. So I wanted to really dive into this book um, because I want to hype people up about the information that can be revealed to them through it. And part one of your book is called You Are Eternal. And it really stopped me in my tracks because I was like, wow, it's such a bold statement that I myself use other spiritual guides or teachers or learners also use. And I found myself thinking as a skeptic, how can not me as a skeptic, but as if I were a skeptic or someone trying to um, illuminate a message for a skeptic, I found myself thinking this question, how can we know without a shadow of a doubt that we are in fact eternal souls having a human experience? And how does this enrich our ability to connect with our intuition? I feel like the question needs like a dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) we can we can add that in we'll add it i'll totally edit that in it's no it really what an ex could you just repeat that because it was so beautiful can you yeah reword i mean it just was so articulate what you said i'm like reeling in what you said yeah how can we know without a shadow of a doubt that we are in fact eternal souls having a human experience and how does that enrich or enhance or guide us to our intuitive abilities when we believe it to be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pretty. Well, I think the knowing that we're eternal is part of the remembering. And I don't, I think sometimes it happens in a split second mm-hmm. when we have a suspended moment where we realize that our life could have shifted in one direction and it just didn't when there is a divine intervention, when we fall in love, when there's an extraordinary feeling of connection to probably love beyond what we understand. I think all of those things, or even the experience of an out-of-body experience, I think there's so many ways that we can touch this idea of being eternal, especially when there's a remembering and then 
not only the remembering, but when you do like a past life regression and something rings so true that it's suddenly almost as if there's aspects of your life that have been floating on a surface that suddenly have weight and then gently drop to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I think that whole idea of slowly but surely those questions about us being eternal become answered in just different ways. But a lot of it is by us being open to that possibility. But the intuition is really the bridge to the remembering of the truth of ourselves because mm-hmm. it is the way and the hope that we are shifting to a more spiritual orientation toward our life, which I believe is one of the beautiful focuses of the podcast you guys have mm-hmm. is allowing ourselves to exceed, you know, wonder as this opening, as this invitation to wander into what we do not know with the hopes that we'll discover something about ourselves that we didn't know in the minute before. Mm. I'll let that sink in for a moment. That was beautiful. <sighs> that was, yeah, that <laughs> was, that I was feel like we're doing like spiritual ping pong. Don't you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. I'm like absorbing every word you're saying. And it's like, there's this integration process that's going to come. It's an energetic activation. That's going to require an integration process without us even realizing it. This is great. <laughs> well, and two, on top of what you've said, you know, talking about the experience and the feeling that is accompanied by uh, a spiritual awakening, right? And it's not so much what is said in words, although reading a book can activate parts of your soul, which would then cause you to have that feeling or experience or listening to a podcast or anything like that. But it's, as you mentioned, that out-of-body experience, that uh, gut feeling that you have, that intuition being awakened and activated. It's really in those moments, I feel, that we then wake up to that we are eternal. Mm-hmm. It's a resonance. Mm. It, it, it's when something has an energetic imprint that calls us back to a truth that either we are aware of or we are remembering. Mm-hmm. It, and the resonance actually... and the resonance, you know, it's interesting, the word resonance, because I realize it, it has a sound component to it, but it, it really on like, <clears throat> I'm seeing it and I'm hearing it at the same time. So um, for your listeners, in case speaking um, and, you know, at basic energy medicine is, is not necessarily the most um, viable language that they understand whenever you're talking about your intuition, whenever you're talking about spirit communication, it's not something that your physical senses perceive. Although Mm -hmm. we use senses to perceive energy, it's your, it's the fullness of your soul senses that you're using. So your physical senses can see and hear and taste and touch and know, but then 
the the soul has to perceive energy and energy is equally perceived that way. But most of the time when people are perceiving energy, they're using multiple senses at the same time. So we may think we're just clairaudient, which means we can hear with our soul or we can feel with our soul. But most of the time when you're seeing with your soul, you're actually hearing with your soul or you're actually feeling with your soul at the same time. So it's, it's such a nuance, but the resonance means our, the spirit side of us has been activated by something within the physical world that reminds us of the truth of that uplink that we're always connected to the divine, to an intelligence greater than our own. You know, and you let us directly, it's almost like you're intuitive. You let us directly into the next part, um, you know, part oh two of your <laughs> part. <laughs> you let us into part two of your book, you know, connecting to the universe. And you've sort of just been clarifying the many different ways that the universe or spirit is communicating with us all the time. And I would love to know if there's anything you'd like to expand on. <clears throat> with the ways in which we may be communicated with and also how can we deepen our listening skills when we're able to notice them and, and call it out within ourselves. To deepen those capabilities is to practice and to realize that it is as viable as using the physical senses. So if, if you are really working to shift your perspective to balance both how you perceive what's physical and what's energetic, then it needs to be practiced in equal value. So you both had mentioned before we started the interview about so many beautiful epiphanies that you've received about your the children of the future connected to you through meditation. Mm-hmm. Meditation is absolutely a means by which you become aware of realities other than the physical one that you are very clearly aware of. Mm-hmm. And with practice, it's, it's allowing the ability that you have to perceive energy to also be a guidance principle or, you know, almost like your GPS. So you can begin the day by pulling cards. You can go into meditation. You can do yoga. You can do something that allows you just to feel what's going on. And even if you take, you know, two to five minutes in the morning and just close your eyes and simply become aware of the energy of your soul. More or less, you just pay attention to where's the most amount of energy in my body right now and where is the least amount of energy. And if I transfer, like I'm throwing a bag from one spot to the other, can I actually balance the energy just because I'm giving it attention Mm-hmm. I find sometimes when I drop into my physical space, I have more energy on one side of my body than I do on the other side. So then I do a ping pong back and forth to see if I can come it, bring it back into a, a balance. Because for some reason, whether you look at the left side as the feminine side or the right side as the masculine side, or you look at it however you do, um, it, you know, there, there's a key into yourself. There's a reason why the energy distribution is is more is greater than on one side and less than on another. That also speaks to then how your body deals with injury and how your body deals with um, illness. So there's just, those are simple mindfulness techniques that are fantastic mm-hmm. to do on a regular basis. Because the other thing that it will affirm is you're different every day. 
And we have this odd expectation that we're supposed to be like this way all the time. And just simply noticing how your energy shifts within you would give you the indicator and a total hall pass that it's okay to be a little different every day. In fact, to celebrate the fact that every day there's a different nuance of you that may be leading, whereas another part of you might be falling slightly behind. That's been like my central theme throughout this pregnancy. <laughs> I, it truly I give, has. Yeah, and I give you so much credit because I because I would also you know imagine and just perceive that a level of patience is also demanded for you that's been very different. And mm-hmm. but isn't it amazing that the patience you can give a, you can give yourself a greater level of patience because you're nurturing another soul. It's, it's, you, you hit it right on the head. That's how it's been. And it's been such a beautiful, beautiful learning journey about myself and the different versions of me, my authenticity, awakening to my truth, and also just co-creating with this creature that (laughs) is growing (laughs) inside of me and uh, doing this with Christopher, you know, like this is, he's been just as much a part of this as myself, even though I'm the one technically growing the baby, he is on the journey with I'm me. I'm glad she has that role. <laughs> you never know. There may be time. There may <laughs> there be. May there be. may be. You but you know, know, I don't know if I want to sign up for that mission. That's why uh, part of this uh, twin union we got going on, she's uh, she chose this role. I chose mine. I'm, I'm happy with mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think, I think, Chris, your empathy and your you ha- there's there's just a sweetness to your soul. So I mm-hmm. think, you know, Sarah, you're so blessed because I can I can feel his almost overwillingness to make sure that you're okay. And I think those kind of partners are just the most incredible blessings, especially when you're kind of grow up in a circumstance where you're independent and you're going to do it yourself and you're not going to get help. And then all of a sudden you get Mr. (laughs) Helpful and it's like, who are you? I'm resistant to you because I only think I can do this. So I I love Mm -hmm. the interplay because I think it's, it speaks to how much you guys are learning from each other, but also, you know, how beautifully, because you guys really dance together so well to work together, to live together, to raise a child together, to do all the things that you are so beautifully connected in and committed to do. Just, I hope people see that as an added benefit of listening to you too and trusting mm. your wisdom. Very sweet of you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I spent, you know, it feels good to hear that, especially coming from a, a long line of abusive relationships, you know, and it's like meeting Chris suddenly it's like, whoa, wait a minute. You're nice to me. You care about me. It's like, oh, wait, that's a reflection of the self-worth I've cultivated finally, you know? Yes. And, you know, that's, that is part of increasing our listening skills with the universe, you know, like that's part of listening to spirit too, is seeing the synchronicities and what we've aligned with in our current reality. And so this is applicable to everybody anywhere in any situation. And what we were talking about with owning your misery and also owning your joy. And, you know, this kind of leads me into a a kind of like a alleyway from what you were talking about. You know, some people 
and I'm speaking from experience here um, in the past, you know, as we start deepening our listening skills, as we start opening our bodies, our minds and our souls up, um, oftentimes fear shows itself particularly regarding communicating with spirit, like loved ones who'd passed away or perhaps an interesting spirit that maybe we've never even met before in waking life or this reality suddenly wants to communicate with us. And one of the most common questions I get from people who have, uh, who are aware of my own intuitive journey since I was a child, um, they ask like, I'm just so afraid. How do I move through this fear? Like, what if I open myself up to something dark or, you know, where I'm going with this? What would you say to our listeners who might be experiencing that? Such a juicy, yummy question. Um, Fear is the experience of our human being. Our spiritual being knows that there's unconditional love. So, when we have had challenges and challenging experiences within our own experience as a human being, we project that unfortunately upon the spirit world Mm. because in all of my work as a medium and all of the times that I've done past life regressions with people, soul retrievals through shamanism, I've done grief counseling. I've done so many different values of exploring different bandwidths of the invisible world. It just doesn't exist there. Mm -hmm. Fear is what we have here. Fear is born because human beings are not centered in love. We are disrespectful to each other. We are self-centered. And this concept of being connected to each other isn't enforced enough. So we don't walk with it as a truth. So when someone has an experience of encountering a being that they perceive fear from, the only way that it possibly, I mean, this is such a big, beautiful subject because I am not discounting for a moment what their experience is. And I'm not trying to disenfranchise someone's authenticity with this. Mm-hmm. I have just found that when they experience a fear of a soul or a ancestor, or even of someone that has done them wrong in the physical world that now has transitioned out of physical into spirit, it's because there's an aspect of themselves that is awaiting being reunited with their soul through a deeper understanding and empathy by connecting with this energy. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes I, there was a gal who I met who one of, when she found out what I did, she says, Oh, I just have to tell you about this dark entity that keeps following me around. And I'm so pissed. And she was really activated and angry because it was there when she was a child and it was there and all these things. Now, when I asked her rather benignly, so when are the circumstances that had shown up, this energy always showed up right before something traumatic happened to her. Now Mm -hmm. I understand her alignment with the trauma and this dark being as being negative. Mm -hmm. Once I've checked into it, I said, but what if, but just what if that energy is a celebratory soul for your, is a celebratory presence for your soul? What if that soul was showing up to let you know that you were protected and guided 
And that's why you were feeling that empowerment and that power from them prior to an event that knocked you offline a little bit. Mm -hmm. So the darkness, I mean, the, the archangel Azrael, who was sent back by God, because he literally said to God, where are the souls that go lost? And God said, find them. So archangel Azrael is ascribed as being the angel of death. Well, he's not. He's the angel that wants to make sure that people find their way home. Mm -hmm. But because we are afraid of death, because we fear what we do not know, instead of investigate it with curiosity and wonder, we just automatically assume it's bad. I just did a, an interview with a really brilliant man whose name is Bill Bennett. He did a movie called PGS. Uh, he was on our show. He's a great guy. He was. Oh, Isn't he him. awesome? He's amazing. Isn't he awesome? So Bill just interviewed me because he's going to do two subsequent films. He's going to do a film about fear and then a film about uh, the veil. And then he's possibly thinking about doing another one, but we really delved into, and I was so honored. He was talking to me about fear, but I, to me, I, I don't know really what we have to fear. Um, I have had extraordinarily strange experiences happen in my life that certainly inspired fear. Um, but they, they were such great educators for me. Hmm. And that's what, and it really reminds me of something quickly. And I know Sarah was about to say something, but yeah. in Belinda Womack's book, um, there, we had her also on the podcast. She's an incredible woman, but she works with the archangels. And in the book, she talks about um, master fear or the angels talk about master fear. Mm -hmm. And I love how they refer to fear as master fear, because that signifies that Fear is a teacher and is yeah. one of the greatest teachers that we could possibly have. But I feel that when we are living in that state, that we are then projecting that fear, which then manifests in our reality or creates maybe some darkness and dark entities that we perceive as dark, right? Does, that, does, that, does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and Sarah, please comment on this because I am mindful about where your soul has been, uh, the experiences just that you've mentioned on the site that your soul has had. And um, just in parallel to that, um, I, I, with amazing empathy and respect, allow other dis other opinions about this subject, especially for people that have really experienced tremendous fear. Well, I just find it so refreshing the um, way that you've so eloquently described fear and its role and how it manifests as perhaps other entities or other forms of spirit that we're communicating with, because I, I feel to my core wholeheartedly that that is truth, um, you know, throughout my years of traumatic experiences that I co-created, I've, I've those moments of my life were when I was experiencing the most um, intense darkness with spirit. And I learned in hindsight, like you'd said, that one woman had that, en those, that entity that would show up before a traumatic experience. That was when I was also um, experiencing these, quote unquote, dark entities. But in reality, they were waking me up 
to the reality that I was co-creating. And um, I wanted to quickly just share a story that I don't think Chris and I have ever shared on our show before. Um, but this this really encapsulates everything you'd said about these entities, um, simply us projecting our fear onto them, creating the experience of what they are, you know, for our own humanness, right? But there, over my years, I began to release the fear surrounding the darkness and not just my physical reality, but also spirit realm as well, because I started to recognize what it was in truth. And um, with Christopher, this was what, 2017, maybe 2018. I think it was 2017. Doesn't matter. But I noticed I was having dreams with this like shadow being, this cloaked shadow being that was very elusive and he was trying to make sure I didn't see him, but I knew he was there. And because I, I was because I was at a good point in my relationship with spirit, I wasn't afraid of him, right? I I could feel this sort of quote unquote lower vibrational energy, but I wasn't afraid of him. I hadn't shared with Chris that I had had like three dreams consecutively with this shadow being. Um, But then suddenly Chris had told me on that third day, he said, I think I have an entity attachment. And as soon as he said that, you know, like the hair on my body raised, not out of fear, but out of just an affirmation that that's what that, um, Um, shadow being was that I was seeing in my in-between state. And I let Chris explain to me why he thought he had an entity attachment and where it resided in his energetic field. And through much um, reflection, Chris came to the realization that he had made a contract or an agreement with a quote unquote lower vibrational entity. I, I use those quotes because we've kind of bastardized the word vibration and, you know, like compared everything to higher and lower and made it all a game. But uh, so I didn't want to go into like the details of what lower vibrational actually means. But Chris came to the realization that he and this entity that seems dark in our human experience had created an agreement that he would take up home in Chris's heart chakra or heart space um, to, to help him to learn how to fully love and open and allow, allow himself to see the ways in which he is his own barrier to vulnerability and empathy, etc. And so, you know, my old self had I had that dream with the shadow being, I would have immediately gotten scared. Like, oh no, something's haunting me, something's wrong. Um, But in reality, it was this co-creative experience where we were all coming to this realization that the contract had been fulfilled and Chris was no longer an energetic match for that contract. And this entity was actually part of this amazing teaching. And when we did a cleansing, I actually, Chris and I both personally thanked this entity for the teachings and the lessons. And I think when some people might hear that, they're like, you mean you thanked this thing that's like, was, was 
keeping him from, you know, fully loving and fully opening and connecting with human spirit. Like, why would you thank that? But it was just, we could see it from a higher picture of the role that it played. And through the cleansing process, it was one of the most powerful experiences for both of us. It was just so rejuvenating and uh, beautiful. And then the shadow being was nowhere (laughs) to be found. He was no longer an energetic match for our experience. So that's just an example, a small one, but an example of how we don't have to be fearful. We can just open ourselves up to that fear and learn what it's there to teach us. What an amazing story. (laughs) What an amazing story and such a great illustration of, you know, the difference between again, those two aspects of our soul, the finite self, the human being thinking it's happening to me. So it automatically puts you Mm -hmm. in victim and will inspire Mm -hmm. fear because you think that something's larger and stronger than you are against the idea of the spiritual balance of the soul, which says, but it's happening for me and it must be teaching me and it must be guiding me. And therefore I can thank it because I, I have asked for this. And it's just two, it's such a great illustration of the two voices within us that we have to honor. We have to have the human experience because we're here, but we can't just be spiritual all the time. We have to find Mm -hmm. that balance between the two of them. And there are times that you don't have that awareness of, you know, my fear is leading me right now. But the the one thing that fear does is it does not empower you at all. It Mm -hmm. automatically allows you to give your power to something else. But I, I still think fear is such a great, a great mindfulness with fear, because if you can be curious about fear, if instead of immediately responding to fear in, in repelling, which is what we tend to do, or retracting and pulling back, right, which energetically you can actually see it in people if they live in fear, they'll have lower back issues because they're always kind of stepping out of things instead instead of stepping into things. Mm. Um, but if, if you can allow that fear to be something that you take that same kind of mindfulness idea that we talked about before, where you just take a breath and allow it to be there and then drop into your own physical being and saying, where does this really resonate with me? Where do I feel this fear within me? And then drop your attention into that area and imagine it's a place in nature and just let that landscape unfold and see what happens. Because I do this with my clients all the time. And anytime we explore fear, anytime we explore fear, There is absolutely a presence of darkness, but there's always light, always. And Mm -hmm. once the darkness is embraced and it's dealt with, there's so much more light. And all of a sudden there are all these flowers and everything changes and it becomes like a Disney scene. Mm-hmm. So the, mm-hmm. the, our, this human journey is to allow fear, not to, to dance with it, to, to engage it like anything else. But I think if when we do that, then the fear ends up being an empowerment and an aspect of our soul that we then get to grab and pull within us and then claim. And then that aspect doesn't have that same reaction and response from us as we go forward. Love it. Yep. 
kind of yep. like Pac-Man, you know? It's a good visual. I miss, it? I miss that game. I really miss that game. I know. Shit, I miss the 90s sometimes, you know, know. the arcade games. I know. <laughs> I know. It's an old, it was just the first image that came up. I'm sure there are many other ones, but that's the one that popped in my head. Oh, man, so many good teachings and lessons on this. And, you know, I want to move into part three of your book and what is called soul-centered living. Mm -hmm. I love it. And so I'm curious, how can we all hold space for ourselves in our lifestyle to reawaken to our full potential? Listening to your podcast. <laughs> Sometimes I need to re-listen. We 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 go through this our our some of our interviews and they're so good and you're so caught up in the moment. I'm like sometimes I got to go back and listen to some of these people are on and this is one of them. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to you speak this whole time. <laughs> well, you've had, you've had some extraordinary guests. I was looking at all the people that you've chatted with, some of whom I'm familiar with and some that were new. Um, and Robbie Lockie was just amazing to listen to, by the way. But anyway, um, uh, I would say, you know, to, to be soul centered is really underlining this idea we've kind of talked about throughout this entire podcast. And that is there is an innate dualism within us. We, we will have an aspect of us that trusts and allows and believes and wants connection. And then there's a, absolutely a part of us that reacts to everything. And oftentimes that response is to disconnect. So it's about honoring both of the voices and personal accountability, man, that's just such a huge, it's mm. such a huge need right now. Personal responsibility, being completely accountable for yourself in everything that you do. Um, mm -hmm. honoring the people who you are inconveniencing because you're asking for something uh, more than or different than what the original agreement was, listening more than you talk, just basic principles of treating the person outside of you as if they are family, they are God, they are, you know, an extension of you. And the other, the other component I would just say is we're a little addicted to judgment right now, which is not the best quality of our human beings. Um, we, that's a big disconnector and it, it doesn't serve us in any capacity spiritually. All it does is create more barriers and the greatest sadness I hear from the spirit world is that we're stopping asking for help that we are choosing so much to be the authorities in our life that we are forgetting that it's okay to not know. So mm -hmm. I believe there are fantastic teachers in the world and people who absolutely ensure a progressive soul expansion and to dismiss those that are not on the same page as we are. For instance, when you had um, Robbie Lockie on and he was talking about, you know, veganism and, and plant-based news and everything he was talking about, he made such a salient point because he said, you know, we've always got to remember our pre-vegan selves. Mm -hmm. And that comment really stood out to me in the interview that you guys did with him, because even within the culture of veganism, you know, we, it's such an amazing high and you, you feel so transformed by it that it's almost like people that have 
a strong religious experience that then want to tell people what to believe because it just feels so right. But even in that epiphany and that bliss that we encounter, we have to remember that it's absolutely allowing for other people to make choices. The best we can do is reflect the choices that are, in our estimation, the most helpful and allow people to make their own decisions, but hope that by holding a space and a place for their enlightenment Mm. or just compassion for where they are because they may not know better is such a Mm. necessary skill set. You brought up the V word, dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 (laughs) V word. I'm I'm happy you did because, you know, not all of our listeners are vegan. Um, So I just want to remind everybody listening, you're you're still included in this conversation regardless um, of your lifestyle. And, you know, I think you said that really well. And I think that is uh, sometimes a very hard line to balance as vegans that have a spiritual perspective on life, Um, you know, because there's so many different kinds of vegans in the vegan world. There are vegan atheists, there are anti-natalist vegans, there are, I mean, you've got Trump supporter vegans, you've got every array, you know, it's just a huge array of potential in the vegan community. And we don't always, one vegan does not represent necessarily the next. We're just as unique as everyone else's, just like not all Christians are the same, et cetera, right? And one thing that I wanted to add to what you were saying is I had, I mentioned this to someone the other day who said, well, I respect your choices. Why can't you respect mine? And I said, I can love you for who you are in truth, but I don't necessarily have to respect the personal choice that results in some sort of victimization or violence. But that doesn't change the love or compassion that I have for that person's unique experience as a puzzle piece in this cosmic web. And that's really challenging to explain to non-spiritual practicing vegans um, to try to explain to them that it's not necessarily that I'm tolerating violence. I'm just expanding my heart to remember that we are all perfect as we are, even the violence. And that's, that's a tricky, tricky conversation to get into that, that, that what we're experiencing now is a manifestation of the imbalances, the forgetting the things within ourselves that we came here to experience, you know, trying to have that conversation with someone who doesn't have a spiritual approach to life, um, is difficult. And then it's also difficult having to explain the, 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 the whole, I love you, but I don't have to agree with your choices, <laughs> you know? Yes. But in the same way, Sarah, you're doing such a great job because it's not diminishing them. And oftentimes when people are very opinionated, they are expecting and almost creating Uh, the very environment that they might be used to, which is combative and argumentative. Mm -hmm. So the benefit of approaching things from a soul centered perspective is that you are always trying to put a foot in both worlds. You're trying to be absolutely a human being and own your, your foibles Mm -hmm. and celebrate your strengths, but equally be in that place of this is my brother. This is my sister. 
and mm-hmm. their choices are just as valid as mine. Why don't I listen instead of, you know, speak? But within the vegan community, and the and I'm I'm you know only a few years into this, so I'm a little on the newer side. Um, my path is not one to be a proponent and a and a um, a pot stirrer. I'm a uh, I'm a peaceful vegan. Uh, <laughs> lots of little bunnies and hopping around in the background. I look like Snow White. Um, but um, you know, there are those other voices that are necessary because if those people aren't willing to to have that place and space, but I think within it, it's just a matter of being compassionate about where you've come from, what you've learned along the way. And if somebody's open to it, to allow the information to be shared, but if they're not, you know, trying to like push a rock up a hill is just really arduous. And if the rock just wants to be where it is, you just leave it where it is. So I I think there's different ways of approaching it, but I think how you handled the circumstances, we're not supposed to agree. But mm-hmm. we certainly can be respectful in disagreeing. Mm-hmm. 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 Because if it's all about being right, we're screwed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there, we're we're that. I guess that's a slippery slope because then we get into shame and we get into really. I mean, that's that. My biggest qualm with a lot of things is just the hate and and the deep hatred and it's out of a place of anger because of the situation that's happening and speaking of veganism of course but i think when you can find that middle ground and you can live soul centered or heart centered and still be able to take a compassionate approach but yet stand firm in your truth um i think there's a real there's this power in that. Well, it's like, you know, Anaya Sophia we had on our show recently. She talked about the rise of the divine feminine and the sacred rage and how <laughs> it's it's okay to be angry about yes. something. And in fact, that sacred rage that we're feeling is the rise of the divine feminine that says we are we are evolving and it is up to us to make decisions in alignment with our values and remembering who and what we are in truth. And, you know, I feel that sacred rage, but she points out that sacred rage is not destructive. It's not judgmental. It's patient, it's calm, but it's fiery and it is there and it is going to speak up and it's going to speak out. And, you know, it's like to if I may be really blunt and brash here, you know, with my sexual assault experience, I have I don't have to respect the choices of my assaulters assailants, what do you call them? Perpetrators. Perpetrators. I don't have to respect their choice for having raped me, but I can still love them for who and what they are in truth beyond this human experience and also still have gratitude for the co-creative experience we shared that allowed me to grow. So that's how I view veganism. And it's weird to like, you know, draw those parallels, but that's how I see it. And I'm allowed to have sacred rage about sexual assault and violence and domestic abuse. I'm allowed to feel that fire, that volcanic anger that boils up, but it's about restabilizing 
soul-centering, to be able to channel that in a way that's beneficial to the evolution of the human consciousness instead of destructive and hateful and just keep repeating the same exact cycles that we've been stuck in. Well, and you've done that so well. And you've done Not that. Always. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you know, I mean, overall, the amount of resilience and strength and courage and being able to speak your truth with such elegance, I really admire that. Well, thank you, babe. I, 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 I love how you framed all of that because um, the whole idea of the divine feminine kind of expanding is not just a conversation for women. This is a conversation mm-hmm. for men and women mm-hmm. because within both of us is that divine masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. Having had some um, similar, I suppose would be the best way of saying it, experiences, Sarah, as mm-hmm. unfortunately so many women have, um, I, I had to ask myself at different times, what was the spiritual blessing of that? But mm-hmm. in the evolution of the feminine voice, which for so many you know centuries was really not allowed, a rage was not allowed the empowerment to express it would make sense that there had to be an imbalance in order for there had to be a rebirth. Mm. And within that, there are so many people who the story of it is repeated because they're still trying to find the answer to how it served their soul. And I think when people loop like that, they are not re-victimizing themselves, although it can oftentimes draw the same experience to them because that's kind of the vibration they're sending out. At least that was my experience until I was like, why do I keep talking about that? That's not what I want to have happen. Um, but through that, through that, that understanding, I mean, to be able to put it into a spiritual context is such an extraordinary thing for your listeners to be able to witness because we seem to like to hold on to our stories and make them define us. And therefore, Mm -hmm. the only way that people can approach us is in, again, the drama triangle. If we come in as victim which we will if we're, you know, coming in as these people, you know, and you understand that. And I mean, that with such respect, I hope, you know, this was initially, you know, because for me, or let me retract that and say, when I had my experiences, for the longest time, I kept retelling the story over and over and over again. And every time I was putting myself in victim, I didn't know what, Mm -hmm. you know, and why did this happen to me? And oh, and and then the person would feel sorry for me. So they either would rescue me, or they would, or they would go into step into perpetrator. So I was just in that triangle so strongly, until Mm -hmm. I, I had a very weird man and this was comical to me. It was the universe going, okay, you haven't gotten any of the signs we sent you. So we're going to send you the weirdest person for this to come through. An absolute narcissistic man that I was dating, which I still to this day really need my head examined about that one, but whatever. <laughs> I was dating this, this man who was so much older than I am was, and he really just was, it was just not the right experience for me. But the gift he gave me was I went into one of my long tirades about all the things that had happened to me. Mm -hmm. And he just said to me, you're certainly giving a lot of power to a couple of moments of your life. Wow. And he just knocked me flat. I was like, wow, that is probably the best. I'd been through therapy. I'd been through so much. And in (laughs) one sentence, he essentially, I heard the spirit world go, okay, kid, that's enough. 
And from that moment on, I really started to look at it differently because it just wasn't serving me. But you wow. to, to be able to reframe when we are really in a place in a space where where the circumstances are hard to find compassion for. There's a um, I was speaking at the uh, Sun Valley Wellness Festival at the end of June, and Michael Lemley, who's a really an extraordinary filmographer and um, cinematographer, did a film has done multiple films about the Dalai Lama, and his latest one is called the Le- the Last Dalai Lama question mark because that's a whole other topic to go into. But he was interviewing people close to the Dalai Lama because he's very close to the Dalai Lama, and he interviewed one of the men who was the Dalai Lama's prayer guide, and he was his prayer guide before China and Tibet started the dance that they've been in. So a number of, to disempower the Dalai Lama, a number of his uh, staff were taken and put in the imprisonment camps in China. So Michael sat with one of the gentlemen who was incarcerated the longest 20 years Oh, wow! where he was tortured extraordinarily so. And most of the people that he went into with were killed and he survived. And when Michael said, what do you feel about the Chinamen that tortured you? And he said, I have learned to love every single one of them. And they taught me so much about my capacity to love. Mm. Wow. And I thought, holy, wow. Okay. Yeah. You can be with the Dalai Lama. You've earned your place. Wow. So it's, you know, we we're given experiences that we can use to advance ourselves. And I think Sarah, it's just gorgeous how you frame it. And I am so grateful your listeners have the ability to hear that it can be held differently because it, it needs to be, it, we can talk about the story all day long and that seems to really get a lot of people's attention, but we're doing a lot of that. We're doing a lot about talking about the things that aren't working and, and what people do that's wrong. And we just need the equal conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, we need that equal conversation of this is what's going well. This is what, this is where people are excelling. This is where people are making breakthroughs and this is where there's hope and there's faith and there's optimism. So I'm just grateful for you guys. I really am because that, that kind of, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to reframe. It's a hard thing to reframe. Well, thank you for that support and that encouragement. And you've clearly walked that similar path of being able to reframe and you're right. It's, it's very, very important for all of us to be able to do that for ourselves first and foremost, and then to support each other. Well, and to become a sales man, sales woman, sales person for empowerment and for, and for love, instead of becoming a sales person for hate. And because when that is, when that is being spread, obviously we're giving that more power. And through that, these stories that both of you obviously have shared and have gone through these experiences, you know, you could have gone one of two ways with this. And of course there's that anger, that rage when something like that may happen. And of course that's understandable, but to be, to turn it around and to move into the space that you both have um, with 
such power with such grace and to be able to become that salesperson for empowerment and love is only going to uplift the lives of others because through that they will then you know find themselves in the ways that they need to tuning into the reality that they prefer that we all prefer which is a hopefully a reality in which we're all progressing and evolving and seeing each other for who we are and you know Austin, this has just been absolutely incredible. You know, your book, Soul Conversations, I could not recommend enough for anyone, no matter where you're at on the scale, you know, whether you're just kind of cracking open the door to take a peek inside your own intuitive powers and abilities, connecting with the divine, or whether you've been practicing as a medium for decades. I think that this book is something that we can all learn from. I know for sure I'm going to be taking my time and reading through it um, diligently um, as I believe this is a, a sign for me that it's it's calling out to me. So I just want to thank you for bearing your soul and opening up and sharing your wisdom so well. Um, and I want to offer you this opportunity if you have any updates that you'd like to share with our listeners. And of course, let them know where they can follow you, keep up with your journey, and perhaps contact you if, if you're if you're open for that. I am absolutely open for that. And first of all, thank you both so much. I have thoroughly enjoyed the conversation because I find when the conversation has just floats and just goes, those are the best to me because it's so Mm. spirit driven in those moments. And I think there were probably moments within our experience that were absolutely not expected. And I think it's that's to me when there's just such a beautiful divine guidance that happens. So thank you so much. Um, Yes, people can find me. I am online. Um, My name is A-U-S-T-Y-N-W-E-L-L-S. So my website is austinwells.com. I am blessed to offer a number of different things because I am a true Gemini. So I got stuff going on. Um, So I I do mediumship work, uh, energy balancing. I do uh, soul search, which is essentially a regression that takes people through this life, other lifetimes, and then crosses them over to the spirit world, which is really fun. Sounds super fun. (laughs) And then I do mentoring. I teach mediums and intuitives around the country, which is very fun. And I uh, also um, have online classes now that I'm excited about offering. And I'm on most of the social media channels, which you can find through my website. And I thank you both just so much for being such great proponents of Soul Conversations, my book, because it's uh, it's a big passion piece for me. Um, for uh, sure. We are truly, truly grateful to have this conversation and to host this platform to bring you on and all the other wonderful guests that we've had. So again, Thank you so much. And I, I feel re- like we could have talked for hours. Look forward to another <laughs> another conversation with you for sure. I would love that. 
And listeners, if there's a specific topic that you would love Austin to go into depth, um, where we can dedicate an entire hour on something super specific, reach out to us, leave us a review, comment on the episode, uh, send us an email, let us know, and we could perhaps get her back on to meet those needs. (laughs) That sounds like fun. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. Have a beautiful night. And congratulations, you both. I can't wait to see who this little soul and wonder is that you bring into the world. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited, too. We're super excited. It's yeah. going to be quite soon. I know. Yeah, like four weeks. Oh <laughs> Maybe <my God>. sooner. <laughs> Doesn't she do just such an amazing job at communicating her thoughts? She's a true sun sign Gemini, but I'm a little biased because so am I. So anyway, we love Austin definitely going to be a friend that we keep in touch with. And if you loved her too, get her book, Soul Conversations, but also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Share with your lovely friends and family. And remember to join us over on YouTube for a lot more information brought to you via video. See you guys next time. Do you hear that delicious sound? No, it's not the freshly fried patty of the crispy McChicken sandwich. Well, actually it is. But it's also the sound of a debt being paid. Because this golden crisp chicken could be the very first meal you treat your parents to. Yes, parental payback is now available in many delicious McDonald's deals. Like buy one, get one for a dollar. Every day at McDonald's, mix and match a new hot and spicy McChicken with classics like a McDouble, McChicken, or four-piece Chicken McNuggets. Price and participation may vary.